1: Today, we're discussing day one of the CFL's free agent frenzy, the status of free agents Enoch Bwamba and Cam Judge, and the retirement of Solomon Alamimian. But first, Dunkster, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders invested in the trenches on Tuesday, bringing back defensive tackle Micah Johnson and local offensive lineman Evan Johnson. Which signing do you like more?
0: Johnson and Johnson, to be quite honest... I like the Evan Johnson signing more because you bring the hometown kid back to Regina. And more importantly, you protect your prized asset in one Cody Fajardo. To me, that was a major question mark after Dakota Shepley got caught on with the San Francisco 49ers. They seem really high on him. So the Riders were out an offensive lineman that they really weren't counting on. And you wonder if there was a 2020 CFL season, if Shepley would still be in the CFL, and where that would have left the Riders in terms of the offensive line. But getting Johnson in there, he's stout. He has the versatility to play tackle as well. He can kick out to right tackle, has done that with the Ottawa Redblacks. So to me, as good as Micah Johnson is, And even if they let him get back to the way he was used with the Calgary Stampeders, Evan Johnson, to me, could be the more impactful signing.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in full agreement with you, Dunkster. We did have Micah Johnson ranked higher on our free agent list, but it's not always about true talent. Sometimes it is about the fit. And to me, this is a perfect, seamless fit for Saskatchewan. This is a guy who was born in Regina, played his university football at the U of S with the Huskies. And as you mentioned, he's a guy who's primarily an interior blocker, but does have the athleticism to pop outside. And when you look at the local flavor, we talked about this on last week's show a little bit on that, that Saskatchewan offensive line. I, I think it's outstanding. You already had veterans, Brennan Labatt and Dan Clark in there. They just drafted Matlin Riley in the first round of the 2020 CFL draft. He's, he's likely the center of the future there out of the U of S and, Connor Bergloff, who's a highly touted prospect at the U of S right now, I think could end up there easily after the 2021 draft. So obviously the riders front office has a strategy of of trying to pick up local talent. And that is very well exemplified right now on that offensive line where Evan Johnson brings, I think, some much needed youth to a line that that frankly was starting to get old.
0: And we did have Micah Johnson rated higher. And I think as a player, individually, he's obviously had more in terms of playtime and impact. Evan Johnson still has some ceiling, I think, there to his game. But when we're looking at the defensive line, it goes from being a line that had Charleston Hughes and Micah Johnson to one that just has Micah Johnson. Overall, to me, the defensive line on paper right now is not as good as the one when the Riders last took the field in 2019. It simply can't be because you're without Charleston Hughes, arguably the best pass rusher in league history, and a guy that led the league in sacks the last number of years, including 2019 so they're counting on a young up-and-comer maybe one of these former nfl players that they've signed that really go under the radar until they pop onto the scene maybe in training camp or early in a season hopefully we get one more on that later but i think overall it's a real shift for the riders and it shows that they're willing to invest and protect cody fajardo and maybe they're going to have to win games hodge by scoring points
1: yeah, and and we got to move on. But uh, I'll just say this: I I did think it was a little strange that Micah Johnson left after 2019. Ryder shed no tears, and then all of a sudden he he's back. <laughs> but hey, I, I'm not uh, I'm not gonna knock it because he is a good player. Uh, Dunkster, we go from Ryderville to the Belle Provence. Apologies for my French accent. The Montreal Alouettes were extremely active on Tuesday. Adding Nick Usher, Almondo Sewell, Michael Wakefield, and Patrick Levels to that defensive unit. Danny Machocha said he wanted to address the defense. He certainly did that. Who is your favorite Alouette's addition?
0: To me, it's Nick Usher. And as much as I think Mondo, as he's known as Almondo Sewell, can still make an impact in his 30s, to get Nick Usher who was a pass rusher that was at Las Vegas Raiders training camp in 2020 and has a lot of upside still in his game and is really in the prime of his career, I think is a critical move for that Alouette's team that desperately needed help getting after the quarterback, especially after moving on from John Bowman. Yes, he was getting up there in age, but Bowman was still being productive, Hodge. So I really think Usher is the one that sticks out to me. You got that tandem going from Edmonton, Usher, and Sewell trying to make it legit in the East Division, but I think Usher really is the cream of the crop there in terms of the Alouette's free agent gets.
1: Yeah, and for those who are thinking about that, that Edmonton connection, it's, in my opinion, it's Baron Miles. He was an assistant coach, with, with the Edmonton football team in 2018-2019. Uh, obviously, while Amando Sewell was there, also while Nick Usher was there. To me, though, Dunkster, no disrespect to Nick Usher, my top guy is Patrick Levels. Because honestly, I think Patrick Levels is probably the best Sam linebacker in the CFL. He's a guy who's dynamic. He can play in the box. He's physical. He was sensational there in 2019 Left to go to the Hamilton Tiger Cats in free agency last year and before ever playing a game in the <laughs> Hammer, he's back in, in, in Montreal, which is great. It's like he never left. Uh, so I'm happy to see him there. I, I really thought that he did some spectacular things there in 2019. And to me, there's something that just feels right about seeing Patrick Levels in Montreal
0: levels though is a bit of a polarizing player when you talk to personnel men around the league because as you said and pointed out there are some people that feel like he's a dynamic sam linebacker but then there are others that feel like he gets exposed in coverage and might actually be better playing will linebacker so we'll see where the alouettes play him one of their rivals hodge in the east division the ottawa Redblacks, had the worst offense in the cfl in 2019 were you surprised they didn't address the offensive side of the ball in day one?
1: Yeah this this is something that really bothered me to be honest. Like, let's take a look at the history of the Ottawa Redblacks. So 2014, they come into the league, they win two games. That off season, they transformed that entire receiving core. They went out there, they 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 got Greg Ellingson, they got Ernest Jackson, they got Chris Williams, they got Brad Sinopoli, and all of a sudden overnight, one free agent period they load up and in fairness to them the receiving depth wasn't there in free agency this year not at least not to that extent however the fact is they 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 didn't pick up anybody on the offensive side of the ball who's going to who's really going to help them win games right they went out and they 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 basically stood pat uh the, the other thing that struck me is they kind of did the same thing that they did last year right they needed offensive help in 2020 what did they do they added Cleon Lang who's a good player but he's an older Canadian defensive tackle. What did they do this year? They go out and they get Stefan Charles, who's an older Canadian defensive tackle. So to me, that was a surprise. I think they might have been more prudent to use some of that cap money on some help on offense.
0: I would agree, but I guess they're going to rely largely on Paul Apelisse. And we know he's an offensive guru and create points within his system although it's going to be much different that's why I'm so curious to see if we do get football this season what the Red Blacks offense looks like because La doesn't have that same offensive line that he had in Winnipeg doesn't have near even close the same running back to Andrew Harris those are two major factors why La was able to be successful as a play caller and be so creative so can he do that in Ottawa I've had people say to me well if Ottawa is going to be dynamic on offense, they better play Devontae Dedman every single snap and not even have him as a returner because he's their most dynamic piece potentially as a playmaker overall. So we'll see. There's still obviously time left for them to add pieces, Hodge, but it really looks like they're going to go young there and especially at the running back in those skill positions. I know you hate them being called that, but it's- <laughs>
1: It's all good, and hey, they they did also add Jalen Saunders. I'll give him credit for that. I just think there's there's still work to be done. On that note, Dunkster, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Dunkster, we're back, and the good news for you, my friend, is we get to talk about your favorite thing in the whole wide world. We're talking about Canadian quarterbacks. The (laughs) Calgary Stampeders signed Michael O'Connor on Tuesday. What are your expectations for the UBC product in CalTown?
0: dude i don't even know if sky high describes it because this is the perfect (laughs) situation my dude and you laugh but you know how much i love these canadian quarterbacks and it's an ideal spot for o'connor to go he gets to learn from potentially john hofnagle if he wants to come down into the meeting room even at his advanced age still knows his football obviously dave dickinson and Bo Levi Mitchell, and those were two guys that really helped Andrew Buckley along to the point where personnel men in the league felt like Buckley, if he kept going on that curve, was going to be, at least to have the potential to be, a starting quarterback in the league before he retired he's gone on to do bigger and better things as a doctor. So O'Connor gets put in that situation, and if he goes in there and learns and develops, to me he can turn in to be a number one quarterback in the league. A lot of personnel men who are listening out there might scoff and think that I'm biased, but I really, truly believe it. He has the skills. If you watch that guy throw the football live, it just comes off his arm. It's so smooth and precise. Hodge, I'll stop talking about it, but oh my God, I love
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a little excited. Uh, to me, I, I look at Michael, or I, I, I'll be honest. I look at Michael O'Connor and I do see a guy who could be a starting quarterback in the CFL. He, he's 6'5", mm. right? He's 230. He can stand in the pocket. He can also move around. And we saw him, right? He he didn't play a ton as a rookie in Toronto, but he was not in the best situation in Toronto in 2019. Let's be honest; that offense struggled. The coaching staff there, I think, had a little bit of a tough time, uh, you know, putting together game plans. And so the fact that he went out and and he threw, I think, he completed 60% of his passes. He had over 100 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, statistically, he he was he was arguably their best quarterback. Uh, or, at, or at least their second-best quarterback on the season. So I think that absolutely, uh, I'm in agreement with you, Dunkster. I think that Michael O'Connor uh, is in the perfect spot to uh, to realize his potential in the CFL. One of the stories of this year's free agent frenzy is players who did not sign contracts, Dunkster, with players like Cam Judge, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and Enoch Buamba still unsigned. Who's your number one free agent?
0: Well, they haven't signed after day one. And for me, maybe I'm biased, but I always look at the quarterback position. And we talked about it going into free agency, and still now that Bethel Thompson is unsigned. For me, he's the number one free agent still left on the board because if you look at a lot of teams throughout the league, they could use a backup quarterback. that They're one hit away, potentially, from being in disaster. We saw that with the Riders a few years ago where Darian Durant got knocked out and they didn't have a competent backup or one that had any experience and all of a sudden that whole regime was gone. Corey Chamblin and Brandon Tamman to name the head coach and the GM. So to me that's why Bethel Thompson is the number one free agent still left on the board is because you gotta have, and we've seen it time and time again, two quarterbacks to get through a season. He said, and he's been open about it, that he really would want to come back to Toronto but ultimately, we know that money talks and BS walks. So at the end of the day, <laughs> whoever pays him the most is going to get him. So we'll see how that plays out. He's hoping for an outside shot to get an NFL contract, maybe an NFL workout. That does seem like a long shot. But hey, it doesn't really matter if he signed with a team right now or if he signs a couple months from now, because we're not even sure when the season is going to start. So we can at least bide his time a little bit.
1: Look, can we just be honest and say that McLeod bethel is not getting an NFL contract? I- I'm not trying to hate, but the the man is 32, and he's never thrown an NFL regular season pass. Like, I'm not saying he's not better than some of the guys in the NFL. He's better than Nathan Peterman. I know that much, but at this <laughs> exactly. stage of his career, he is not getting an NFL contract. He's a CFL quarterback, whether he likes it or not, and he was very good last year. Uh, surprisingly, kind of came out of nowhere at the age of 32. Uh, but that being said, my quarter or my, my number one guy, free agent right now is Cam Judge, followed very closely 1A and 1B with Enoch Mwamba. Anytime, in my opinion, to get the chance to add a ratio breaking starting linebacker in the CFL, especially a guy like Judge, who can play Will or play Mike, to me, that is the number one play. And if I'm if I'm a CFL GM, that's my first call tomorrow morning, is to those guys.
0: They should be ringing the bell, getting on the phone with them, (laughs) Hodge. Just like you were when you obtained a CFLPA memo outlining that the league and the Players Association will start meetings this week, thank God, about a return to play plan. What do you think it could lead to?
1: Well, listen, I'm not a medical expert, so I'm not going to speculate about what the season wheeler won't look like. But I'll say this. I've grown very frustrated with the lack of transparency here. Uh, to be quite honest, and and also a lack of at least the lack of a perceived plan. And and listen, I know that that there you know it's COVID, it's a global pandemic, and some people will scoff that you know what you're expecting the CFL to have a plan. You know who knows where COVID's going to be in three four months? And to that I say, well, nobody knows if you know the next emergency is going to be a hurricane or a tornado or a tsunami. Or, or a flood or an earthquake. So, so does that mean you just have no plan or does that mean that you make several different plans and then make sure everybody knows them? Because to me, every workplace I've ever been in has several different emergency plans for what takes place. So to me, what I want to see from the CFL is say, if this is what COVID looks like, this is what we're going to try to do. If this is what COVID looks like, this is what we're going to try to do. Because People like you and me, Dunkster, it affects us a little bit, but it it, it really affects the, fa- the the lives, right, of players and their families. And, and this is something that we all want to get clarity on. There's no reason for this to be a secret. Let us in on the process. Let us see what the plan is. And please have more than one, because as we all know, the pandemic is unpredictable. You're going to need more than one.
0: And at least the NFL, Hodge, the whole way through said, hey, we're playing. And they never wavered from that. Yes, they had some COVID-19 outbreaks and that was their decision as a league to play and go through that, but they did it, finished the entire season and got there. And I'm with you. It's not that hard, or in my mind, it shouldn't be that hard to sit there and say, okay, if COVID is still at the current levels that it's at in our country, then either we are going to play using these protocols and take them to the government right now and try to get them approved or we're not going to play because we can't have fans in the stands and we can't afford it. But if the levels go down to X amount, then we plan to play nine games potentially starting on Labor Day. It doesn't seem that hard to me, Hodge, but what do I know? Anyways, Solomon Elamimian, retired at the age of 34, ending his career as a six-time divisional All-Star, two-time Most Outstanding Defensive Player, and the only pure defensive player in CFL history... To win the MOP award, what is his legacy?
1: To me, Dunkster Solomon Elamimian is one of the greatest defensive players in CFL history. I'm not willing to call him the goat just because there have been so many amazing players who have left such amazing, uh, uh, you know, incredible legacies on the CFL. That being said, I think the term goat is kind of overrated. Anyway, when you get to a level like a Solomon Elamimian. You know, ten seasons. he has three of the four best tackling seasons in history. You outlined a whole bunch of his accolades. I mean, he's he's a BC Lions legend for life. I love the fact that post post retirement, he's going to be staying in in the Vancouver area. That's what we want, right? As people who are invested in the CFL, we want to see players set down roots in their communities and stay and contribute to those communities and have those communities be able to take advantage of having interesting, intelligent people in those communities. So I I, I have a ton of respect for Solomon Ellen We're still going to see him around a little bit. Of course, he is still the CFL PA president. But uh, I'm going to be sad that he's gone. But hey, I'm, I love the fact that I got to watch his entire career in the CFL. I wish him all the best.
0: Really a trailblazer, man, when you talk about being the only pure defensive player and a linebacker at that to win the MOP award. And we're not talking about the M.O.D.P. We're talking about the M.O.P. It really shows that he was breaking ground during his career. And you mentioned the tackle seasons that stand out ultra impressive. It would have been very fitting to see Solomon Elimian end his career With the Grey Cup, that was part of the reason why he signed with the Riders. He felt like they were on the cusp and that he could be a leader in that locker room. And I hate to say it, but it's a factor in everything nowadays that you wonder, if the 2020 season wasn't canceled, could Solomon Alamimian have won a Grey Cup?
1: He certainly would have been in a position to make that happen. we got to take another break, Dunkster, but when we come back, we got Hodge's Heritage Moment and a three-minute drill welcome back folks it's time for hodges heritage moment february 11th on this day in 2015 the new york giants signed brett jones to his first nfl contract the native of Weyburn, saskatchewan had spent the two previous seasons with the Calgary Stampeders, winning the CFL's Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman Award in 2014, along with the Grey Cup. The Regina product has remained in the NFL ever since, appearing in 61 games and making 19 starts with the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. Dunkster, you a Brett Jones fan?
0: Certainly. And what round did he go in in the draft again? Can you remind me?
1: <laughs> I think he went late second round.
0: Unreal that he slipped that far. And of course, the Calgary Stampeders pick him.
1: <laughs> of course, they scoop him up. All right, Dougster, three minutes on the clock. Here we go. Edmonton has reduced its name choices to seven. Which one do you like?
0: You know what? I was sort of warming up to Golden Eagles, but it's only Eagles on the ballot. And to be quite honest, I have a new favorite, and I think it should be the name L Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Ottawa, the Red Blacks, sent Argos fan Peter Cooper a jersey with Matt Nichols obviously on the back. Your thoughts,
1: Hodge? Oh, I love this. We talked about this last week. Matt Nichols buys the jersey, off, the jersey off Peter Cooper, saying he needs an Argos jersey for his collection. The Arg or the then the, the, the Red Blacks sent him a free jersey. I think that's spectacular. Love it. Veteran defensive back Courtney Steven tweeted on the first day of free agency that he thought the Herdman twins. Jordan and Justin were the same player this whole time is that not one of the best things you've ever read on Twitter
0: it's amazing man I feel like we know that they're different because we cover them so much with the NFL and the CFL draft and one was in the senior bowl and one wasn't but it would be surreal to think the whole time that they were the same dude but then they were actually playing on different teams so I wonder if Steven thought that they switched spots during the season or what happened there I'm seeing this
1: guy all over the field.
0: (laughs) The BC Lions signed Lucky Lucky Whitehead away from the Blue Bombers. Is that a big deal?
1: I think it is. I think Lucky Whitehead wants to be in a position where he's going to be used as more of a receiver. The the Bombers kind of went away from him in that regard as the 2019 season progressed. I think he's going to do a little bit of returning there, but I think he's going to do a lot in the receiving corps. James Wilder Jr. has come out of retirement, Dunkster, signing with the Edmonton football team, the surprise signing so far of the 2021 free agent frenzy. Do you think he'll be good there?
0: He could be, man. Fresh body, fully healthy. He's been training down in Florida. The first thought I had when I heard the news, and it comes off the heels of JWJ trying out for WWE, was that gift that we see of The Undertaker popping back out of his coffin (laughs) i really think man to be quite honest it could be the situation with james wilder jr in edmonton we'll see another dude who's coming back john ryan the beloved regina punter will play for the riders again in 2021 does it make sense
1: I think it makes sense anytime a Saski boy stays in Saski, but I'll put it this way. His net punting has to improve. The gross punting's there. The net punting has to improve. Last one, Dunkster. Despite earlier reports that he'd be back in Montreal, Sionte Evans ended up at Hamilton on Tuesday. Is that a good signing?
0: Certainly is. not a hey, let's be clear. Those reports were not on Three Down Nation. We get it right, okay? <laughs> Evans, it seemed like... But the deal was not done with Montreal to start the day. And by the end of it, the Hamilton Tiger Cats had pulled Evans away to go down there with what is an absolutely potentially terrorizing defense again in the hammer.
1: On that note, we're out of time, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. I'm John Hodge. He's Justin Dunk. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Peace out.